Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karan Bhatia. I am Karan Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And on this episode, we are getting you ready for one of the most talked about fights. Uh, it's fighters who are maybe slightly past their prime, but that is Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. Mike Tyson, 54 years old, is coming back to boxing. Roy Jones, 51. Uh, Roy actually fought... Uh, his last fight in 2018, I was there in Pensacola, Florida, which, of course, is where he's from. They're coming back for this mega fight. It was originally scheduled for September 12th. They've moved it now to late November. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking to some people who can talk about this fight. First up, I have Antonio the Magic Man Tarver. You've seen Antonio in the ring. We're going to talk about um, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Of course, we know the trilogy that Antonio had with Roy Jones. First fight, he lost to Roy Jones. He came back in the second fight. He asked him that iconic moment during the stare down. He said, any excuses, Roy? Uh, and then he ended up knocking out Roy Jones in dramatic fashion in the second round uh, and then beating him again in the third fight so he is uniquely qualified to speak about all things Roy Jones so I'm going to ask him about his thoughts uh, about this clash with Mike Tyson you're definitely going to want to hear about that they're also calling this fight a seniors tour it's you know we've talked a lot about fighter safety well this is two older guys fighting each other it's not uh, old guy fighting the young lion so it's it's safer in that way now still not 100% safe because they're older in age and they're they're fighting um, but there are a lot of protocols and things like that in place. If there's a cut or anything like that, the fight will be stopped. So they're calling this a Legends Tour, a Seniors Tour. And I'm going to ask Antonio Tarver if he hopes to get into the mix after this is done. There's not going to be a specific winner between Jones and uh, Tyson. It's more of an exhibition. But whoever looks better, maybe, Tarver will want to get another crack at. So I'm going to ask him about that. We're also going to look back at the trilogy between him and Roy Jones. I asked him about that moment I mentioned, the any excuses tonight, Roy. Was that premeditated? Was he thinking about that beforehand? So he's going to give me uh, an answer about that. In addition, Tarver tweeted out that he wanted to help Deontay Wilder. He feels like he can help prepare him for the trilogy against Tyson Fury. So we talked extensively about that. And we looked back at uh, Antonio Tarver's great career. We had a wide-ranging conversation, so you don't want to miss that. And then I am speaking to Manuk Akopian. He is a writer for the LA Time boxing scene. You've seen his work everywhere. He was writing extensively about this matchup, and he's going to break it down in terms of the financials. It was uh, rumored that there was a $50 million pot for this fight uh, paid for by the app Triller. So we're going to talk about where that money goes, who's getting paid what. We're going to talk about all the rules for the fight, how many rounds, boxing gloves, headgear, uh, fans, things like that. We're going to clarify all of those things. We're actually going to even get into the X's and O's of this fight. What, what can we expect in terms of the matchup itself, stylistically? Uh, what is Mike Tyson going to do? Is he going to move forward? Is it going to be like the old Tyson? And, and same for Roy Jones. So you don't want to miss my wide-ranging conversation with Manuk Akopian. But first up, he is the magic man, always flirting with a comeback to the ring. We're going to ask him about that. Here is my conversation with Antonio Tarver. I am Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. I am Karan Bhatia. I am joined by Antonio, the magic man, Tarver. 
Antonio, obviously it's crazy times right now. So the first question is going to be, are you safe? Where are you? Is everything good? Everything's good. Every, you know, my family is safe and sound. All my loved ones. I mean, we've right now been totally blessed and safe from the coronavirus, man. And I pray that everyone else, family and loved ones, safe as well, man. It's a, a horrible pandemic that we're, doing, we're dealing with, but together we can make it through this. And hopefully at the end of the day, we're better for it, you know? Absolutely. Glad to hear that you're safe. Glad to hear that everyone around you is safe. So let's talk a little boxing. Obviously, the last time we saw you in the boxing was 2015. Uh, yeah. The first question, are, are you done, done? Are we ever going to see you get back, back in there? Do you have the itch at all? Well, you never, never say never, but with the climate, you know, with everything going on, and, you know, the legends are really making their, their name noted out there in today's climate and boxing world. I mean, you never know. I mean, um, I'm in great shape. You know, when you look at my age, I, I really not even maintain. I'm just preserved. You know, I mean, it's just a blessing. I'm just preserved, man. And um, when I look at guys like Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, a host of other older fighters, you know, putting their name, putting their names back in the hat. Yeah, definitely give me butterflies. It, <laughs> it makes me think about a lot of things, you know, because. In my last fight, I just I just felt that I had so much more. You know, it was a, a controversial draw, but you know, um, I didn't lose. You know, I didn't get knocked out, and you know, I don't ever remember getting drugged in the, in the ring. But you know, um, I still feel like I had some big victories left. But sometimes you just get tired. You know what I mean, man? You just get tired of trying to make this happen to make that happen. It just don't seem like anything you you're wanting to do is supported. So, you know, I mean, I just felt like it was time for me to move in another direction and, and do some of the things that I'm enjoying myself right now doing. So, um, yeah, sometimes you just got to have, you got to put on that other hat and, uh, you know, pursue other dreams. Absolutely. And the last time we saw you in the ring, it was 2015. It was your only draw. It was against Steve Cunningham. Uh, I know now you're, you're 51 years old, so everything you said makes sense. I, I heard that you're actually afraid to put on the boxing gloves because you may not be able to take them off. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I think I said that once, man. It's one of those things, you know, once you do it, you know, you, you know, you love it, you know, you miss it. So, you know, uh, and you know, you still can do it. That's the crazy part. But, you know, I would love to show the world why I'm the magic man. You know what I mean? And I think at 51, maybe they might think, okay, there's no way he can do some of the things that he used to be able to do in the ring. But I'm here to say that I can, and I, I just don't bother with it anymore. I mean, I don't put my focus on that. Um, but I can. It's not like I can't fight, and I can still fight at a high level. You know, um, I, the game never retired me. You know, the game of boxing itself never retired me. I retired. You know, I just felt like I was standing in one place. And no matter what I did or what I tried to do, it, it just wasn't supported. And it just fell on deaf ears. So I just got tired of trying. Before I retired, I can tell you that I trained for three dates. I had three training camps. Orlando Cuellar can testify to this. But every fight fell through. There was no bout agreement but i'm training and you know that is a waste of time i wasted a year and a half man and uh, i just got tired of wasting time basically 
No, and that makes sense. And so, of course, we're talking about, you know, legends in the game making a comeback. I have to ask you your thoughts. We know Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are coming together on September 12th. So what do you make of, of that matchup? What do you think about those guys fighting? We mentioned you're 51 years old. Roy Jones also 51. Mike Tyson, 54 years old. What do you make of the Tyson-Jones matchup? Well, you know, they're the two of the biggest two of the biggest names in the game over the last 20, 30 years. So, you know, I mean, if you know boxing and you understand it and you see, you know, you're Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, this is an opportunity for them to do something, you know, great for themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what to expect. You know, there's so many, uh, I think, guidelines in the deal. You don't know what to expect. You know, at one time I hear they're not going to be able to go for the knockout. Then I hear they, they, won't, they won't even be judging the fight. So when you look at it as a, a pure exhibition on all levels, then it's kind of hard to think they're going to go in there and give it their all. You know what I'm saying? When they got all of these predetermined notions already spelled out. So it, it's not a fight. You know, they'll just get, you know, get that out the way. But I love what they're doing. I mean, they're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of interest. And like I said, it opens the door for other fighters to do some things as well. So, you know, if they can do it, there's many more people that can do it. So, you know, my thing is, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, I'm happy for them. And it, it could open the door for me. So, you know, I'm not going to frown on anybody getting money and, 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 and doing it the right way, you know, but the thing about it is, man, it's just like, you know, you know, sometimes fans, you know, they, they don't, they don't support all fighters. They don't support all champions. There's only a few guys that can come back and do it at this level. And it's guys like Mike Tyson and guys like Roy Jones, you know, uh, you know, uh, because they they were so beloved and, you know, uh, you know, and at the top, at, when they were at the top of the game, I mean, people were talking about them as if, you know, they were, you know, two of the greatest of all time. And of course, all time greats, but, you know, uh, at one time, they was trying to, they were saying Sugar Ray, you know, uh, Roy Jones was as great as Sugar Ray Robinson. And, it, you know, a lot of people felt like that. And I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't. And I'm not saying that he wasn't. Yeah, he was, he could have been all those, all those things. But when you, when you say that, you got to put the light on the flip side. You have to put the light on the flip side. It's, you know, like, you know, I respect Roy Jones. I do, man. And he was very a big inspiration for me, even turning pro and, and really getting back my love for the game of boxing after witnessing him get robbed in the 88 Olympics. So a lot of people don't know, um, you know, Roy Jones, one of my first inspirations when I got back in the sport and got serious about it. If I wouldn't have seen and witnessed the 98, the uh, 1988 Olympics myself, I probably would have never bought. I probably would have never returned back to boxing. That light, that light probably would have never been lit inside of me. So when I look at that, you know, the time I watched that on, on TV and that after that fight, after Roy got robbed, you know, I instantly, instantly got off the couch and I ran three miles. And I can tell you, I've been running ever since. I've never looked back. I've been running ever since 1988. In Seoul, Korea, when Roy got robbed in the Olympics, man. So I just want to give you that nugget. 
But that's going to be in my book, man. My book will be coming out this year, too. Uh, we got eight chapters of a 12-round fight. Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to name my book yet, title it. But right now, it's the greatest story never told. And um, I don't know if that's going to change by the time we, you know, go to print. But that book should be done within two months. I get interviewed every Sunday. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited about that, man. My book coming out. So I got... I got the greatest story never told, but somebody <laughs> got to tell it. <laughs> Thank you for, for sharing that story. I actually had that question um, in my list of questions when I was doing research in terms of how Roy motivated you. So it was great to hear that from your own words. So speaking of, of this fight, you know, they're, they're calling it a, a legends tour, a seniors tour. And like you said, this opens up the possibility. Now we've, we have to see what happens first, obviously between Roy and Mike, but it, it obviously opens up the possibility for other people to get into the mix yourself included. So, I read that in terms of this fight, you said that Roy and Mike Tyson have other adversaries and they're choosing to run from their adversaries. Now, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe that's you saying that Roy is maybe running from you a little bit. Is that is that how you feel? And are, are Mike Tyson running from Holyfield? Because, you know, I was down there training with Holyfield and they had every indication that they were supposed to do an exhibition with Mike Tyson. Um, I don't know what happened to that situation, but then we figured we find out that Roy Jones is doing it. Um, you know, it's a great matchup. I mean, everybody is excited about it uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, not running because Roy Jones and I, I, I feel like our business is settled. Uh, but my thing is this if there's, if they're not going to be a winner, then how the hell can I call out the winner? You feel me? I can't call out Mike after he whooped Roy. I can't call out Roy after he whooped Mike. But I want the winner of that fight. I mean, period. And, you know, when I look at exhibitions, I think exhibitions for fighters that can't do it no more. Exhibitions of fighters that can't fight at a top level anymore. That don't, I don't fall into that category. So, you know, you know, if I was, if I would entertain anything, it would be fighting for real, you know, I, you know, I will do an exhibition for charity or whatever like that, but I'm not an exhibition fighter, man. I, I still got my skills. I still got my reflexes. I still got my time. You know what I mean? I mean, only thing I lost is years I can't get back. That's it. And what is the relationship now? We, we know about the trilogy you had with Roy Jones and we're hearing what you're saying in terms of, uh, the adversaries and things like that. What is your relationship like now with Roy Jones? Well, when I was saying the adversary, that, that was just Tarverism. I was just being me, you know, the magic <laughs> man. You know, I, I know how to strike a little controversy up in a situation if I need to, you know what I mean? But no, nah, I'm going to let them have it, man. I, I ain't tripping on nothing. I'm going to let them have it. But, you know, like I said, it was a time back in, you know, when I um, was, uh, starring in Rocky Balboa, there was a time that Mike Tyson and I was sitting at the table because I had already knocked Roy Jones out. So, you know, that whole situation with him and Roy was put to bed. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it was a lot of talk of me and Tyson fighting, you know, because I was 233 pounds at the, you know, in the Rocky movie weighing in. So, you know, hindsight, I should have probably just stayed in Hollywood, stayed at every weight, and did my thing from there. Hindsight, which is always 2020, because I didn't see everything that I had to go through. I didn't see that back then. But hindsight, 
I probably would have never came back to boxing. I, I probably should have just stayed in Hollywood because I had opportunities to work. And I turned it down to get back into the business of boxing. And then I let that time go. And now, you know, it's kind of hard to just say, hey, I'm ready to start acting again. But we're working on that. And I'm going to get I'm going to find my way back in Hollywood doing movies and uh, even my own movies. You know, I'm going to be doing my own movies and, and writing my own, you know, uh, you know, I, turning my book into a movie maybe one day. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to have all of those opportunities at my fingertips, meaning that I can do it on my own. If I want to go shoot a movie, I can shoot a movie. If I want to go do, you know, those are the type of platforms that I'm building personally with signature punch film and signature punch management, you know. Um, so I'm excited about it, man. I, I'm going to be opening my personal gym. You're the first one to hear about this. Uh, by the end of August, we're going to have one of the uh, state-of-the-art facilities where I'm going to have uh, podcast capabilities as well as a full studio, uh, Black Magic 360 cameras surrounding the whole gym. It's going to be a beautiful facility, and uh, we're going to hone champions out of Signature Punch. It's great that you have all these interests and things going on now post-career. You mentioned writing the book. You got the the acting in movies, the gym. I think that's excellent. That And, and of course, uh, your great commentating work. I've seen you on a lot of different platforms commentating on fights. Um, and, and, you know, the, the thing about this Tyson... Uh, Jones thing. It gives us a chance to just look back and have a little bit of nostalgia and have a little bit of fun. So you mentioned uh, back when you were in the Rocky movies and then coming back into fighting. So back in that era, there was a rumor that uh, in the 2003 around then, um, Roy Jones was offered 40 million to fight Tyson. Uh, Roy says that never happened. And Tyson was the one who didn't want the fight. We know that he eventually fought you in 2003 the first time. And then of course, in the rematch, uh, when you knocked him out in the second round. So what do you think about that, you know, in terms of that 2003, uh, the, the offer being there for him to fight Tyson? Was that actually there, in your opinion? What, what was going on there between, between uh, Roy and Tyson? And then, of course, you in the mix as well. Well, if Roy said it never happened, I'm, I, I tend to believe it never happened. I think if they offered Roy $40 million to fight Tyson, he would be a fool to turn that down at the time. You know what I mean? I don't think Roy is a fool. He's proven to be one of the smartest businessmen in the game. So uh, I just think it might be it just might be um, rumors. It might be rumors. I mean, I don't know. If Mike Tyson didn't attest to it and Roy Jones didn't attest to it, then it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, like I said, it brings us back to the nostalgia. So when you fought Roy Jones in the rematch, this was in 2004, you guys were coming up to, together for the stare down. And, of course, it's the iconic moment in boxing, one of the most iconic moments when you said, any excuses tonight, Roy? So that moment um, was obviously a very electric moment. Was that a premeditated thing? Did you know you were going to say that? Or did you hear the referee say any questions tonight and you decided that that's what you wanted to say at that moment? No, it was a, it was a thought process. We I had thought about it before because I def, I definitely wanted to make a statement, but get leading to the ring, I wasn't sure I was going to say it. I wasn't sure I was going to say it until I said it. But I definitely had thoughts about saying it, you know. And then it just happened. And when you saw Roy's reaction when you said that, did you get anything from him? Was he was he taken back in any way? I don't know. You can ask him. I mean, but I was fired up. I was fired up, man. I was focused and, you know, it, you know, but I could have gotten knocked out just as well as Roy Jones could have gotten knocked 
out. And then, you know, hey, I would have been the laughing stock of the whole world. But when you train with the, the type of focus, tunnel vision, and you got lifelong dreams and, you know, and you, you have the tools. I don't, I don't know why people think I just popped out of nowhere. I don't know why people think I just appeared and was some challenge for, I, I cleaned out the division. I, I was one of the greatest amateurs of all time. So I made my natural transgressions and I beat everybody in the top 10 and they were so surprised that I showed up. I mean, I don't get that. You know, they knew I was coming, bro. They knew I was coming. How could they not? You know, I knocked out Eric Horn in a rematch, something Roy couldn't do. You know, I dominated Montel Griffin. I mean, um, I had some big wins. I, I beat Reggie Johnson as a young pro who was a two-time world champion. I beat Chris Johnson, knocked him out, who was an Olympic bronze medal. See, what they don't do, they won't put my record under the microscope. You see what I'm saying? I, I fought all the killers. So by the time I got to Roy Jones, I was seasoned. I was ready. If Roy Jones would have fought me when he should have fought me, maybe you're never hearing about the magic man. Maybe he beat me and I'm never heard of again. But when he let me avenge that loss to Eric Hardy, it was it. That was over. I knew where I was going. I knew what I was about. I mean, I don't know how these people couldn't see it, bro. My talents, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm deceptive in every way. I'm so deceptive that the purists can't even see what they're looking at. <laughs> and speaking of criticism that you've faced, uh, you obviously, you fought Jones the first time, you lost the decision, and then knocked him out in the rematch. There have been people who said Roy went up to heavyweight and then coming back down to light heavy maybe took something out of them. What do you? What is your response to that criticism that it maybe wasn't the same it's, Roy Jones? It's an excuse because I had to lose more weight than Roy Jones. We all have to lose weight. That's something that's common in boxing. It's common. 20, 30 pounds. It's common. Stop it. Knock it off. And I'm not being disrespectful. But Roy Jones had two careers, before me and after me, period. So, you know, they can say what they want. I fought the man at 13 years old. If he wasn't kicking my ass at 13, he wasn't kicking my ass, period. Come on, man. The bottom line is, I beat them all, bro. And I lost to two people in my career. Two people best me. Listen to this, Bernard Hopkins and Chad Dawson. Everybody else, I beat their ass. Come on, bruh. Chad Dawson, because he was 14 years younger than me and was a split image as far as talent-wise. But he didn't do nothing. He didn't hurt me. He didn't cut me. He didn't drop me. He didn't dominate me. Go look at common opponents. Go look at common opponents. That's all you got to do. Montel Griffin, Eric Hardy, and who else we got in common? So Montel Griffin, he knocked him out in the rematch. Same thing they thought was going to happen to me. But Montel fought him hard in that first fight. Montel was an Olympian. He was a solid fighter. He had all the skills. He had ability. He gave Roy Jones fit. Montel Griffin gave James Tony fits. I dominated Montel Griffin. 
When you look at common opponent, Bernard Hopkins, Bernard Roy Jones beat Bernard Hopkins in their first fight. In the second fight, it wasn't really no fireworks. You couldn't tell who was the more superior fighter in the rematch. No one really, you know, Hopkins won the rematch, but he didn't blow Roy Jones out. He didn't do any, anything like that. So when you put the common opponents, Chad Dawson, Bernard Hopkins also lost twice to Chad Dawson. But I fought Chad way more competitively than Hopkins. So when you look at my fight and Hopkins fight, you got to put that fight under the microscope, bro. You got to put that fight under the microscope. You can say it with the weight loss. You can say whatever you want to say. But something went horribly wrong in that fight. You've never seen me and Buddy McGirt not communicate between rounds. Between the corners, we're the best. We couldn't even get, he, I couldn't, he couldn't even get my focus. I was so out of it. Come on, man, go back and look at that fight, bro. With clear eyes, not with the... And I'm not saying I can't lose to Bernard Hopkins. I'm saying Bernard Hopkins never blow me up, never outclass me in a boxing match. I don't care how great he is. That's the one time, amateur or pro, that I've been outclassed. You know what I mean by outclassed? That don't mean you can't lose a fight to someone that's on your level. But getting outclassed is something I've never did before. But one time, an amateur and pro. So tell me what happened. I don't know. So, you know, my thing is, I'm a realist. I speak the truth, bro. I don't, don't got to puff nothing up. If somebody beat me, I lost. It's no big deal. But I know when... It wasn't me in that ring. All my natural abilities, the things that I can do right now today was gone. My timing, my reflexes, my eyes. I got the best eyes in the business. Couldn't do nothing. Fell asleep in a whole fight. And that was the biggest fight of my career because at that time, I was coming off the Rocky Balboa fight. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to be in the ring with Hopkins, bro. I'm just talking to you openly. Yeah. For what reason did I have to be in the ring with Hopkins? And he coming off of two losses at middleweight. What reason do I have to fight Bernard Hopkins coming off the Rocky Balboa fight? Make that make sense. No, the, one, the one and only time I never, I didn't have a rematch clause in my contract. The mm -hmm. one and only time I didn't have a rematch clause in my contract. And I'm still baffled by why I didn't have a rematch clause in my contract. <laughs> when I'm the undisputed light heavyweight champion coming off of Rocky Balboa giving Hopkins a, a lifeline. And I couldn't be afforded a rematch clause. So all you got to do is use common sense. Use common sense and go back and listen to what I said happened back in when was that? 2006. 2006, right? And would you, you know, we we're talking about, you know, fighters coming back. Is that, is that someone that you'd want another crack against? Bernard no, Hopkins? No, no, no. Why would I have to fight Bernard Hopkins? Why would I want to give him another lifeline? No, I don't, I don't want to do nothing with Hopkins. Because when he had a chance to, to be honorable and give me a rematch, he didn't. 
because they, you know, they took something from me that night, bro. And it wasn't my titles. It was my status. It, the titles mean nothing. It's the status. You see what I'm saying? So they give Hopkins that win. And now I'm always looking up at Hopkins. Come on, bro. It, you know, I see what the thing is. I understand the business. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I understand the business. A lot of people don't. But that ain't my fight anymore. I'm just saying that they 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 changed the whole dynamics of someone's career in one night. And I I won the title two times after that. But I never won my status back. You see what I'm saying? This is, yeah. I never won my status. I've been crawling. I've been fighting for that status since that day. So you know, that's how they. That's how the shit works. You know, but if I would have got that rematch with Hopkins, come on, bro, we wouldn't be talking right now. Because every time you get a rematch, you get a chance to settle the score. Settle the score. That's the only fighter I didn't have a rematch clause with. I had a rematch clause with Roy Jones. I had a rematch clause with Glenn Johnson. You see what I'm saying? And I was able to vindicate those losses. That was robberies. I didn't even have a chance to vindicate that that asterisk by the Hopkins fight. No, and I you appreciate I mean? your your honesty in terms of reminiscing and looking back at, at your career. So before we run out of time, I also wanted to ask you about a couple of fighters uh, in the game right now. Uh, we we of course know about the Wilder Fury uh, fights that we've seen. They've they've been great fights, explosive fights. I saw that you tweeted. You said sprinkle some magic on that bomb to Deontay Wilder, saying that you could help him. How would you help uh, Deontay Wilder? I, it's, it, I'm just different. It, it, I'm just different. I think I can speak his language, number one. To be honest, I think I can speak his language. And I just think Deontay need a real one in his corner, bro. A, a real one. He just need a real one in his corner that can speak his language and give him just some confidence when it comes down to what he can do in the ring. He can do a lot more than just throw a right hand, but he hasn't been trained to do nothing else. You understand me? So knowing this half the battle, bro, I know. That's all. I just know this game like no other. You know what I mean? I've been trained by some of the best early on in life. Ten years old, I was getting trained by one of the finest teachers in the sport of boxing, Jimmy Williams, my late great trainer, Jimmy Williams. Lived to be 70, not 92 years old. 10 years old, he was teaching us catch robes, you know, triangle boxing, fighting out of the triangle, which, you know, that's mine. That's his secret. That's our style. Fighting out of the triangle, you know, the fundamentals of the game, those things. And then already being a smart, calculating fighter anyway, my on my own, you feel me, on my own, being cagey, uh, deceptive, really not, you know, smart, intelligent in the ring, not making mistakes, not making mistakes. So, you know, that's what I would instill in, in, in Wilder. I would just motivate him, inspire him, bro. Like, I can't tell you what I'll tell him, but it'll be, you know, uh, intimate conversations where you can encourage a guy and just, you know, have him feeling real good about what he's doing about what he's accomplishing, the way he's training. And then you can see the results. If you can see the results, then, you, you know, 
he can buy into it. You know what I mean? Just some things that I know that the magic man brings to the table. I can't speak on it. I just, it's something I got to show you. But when you, when we're in the ring together with anybody who I'm training, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to sprinkle that magic on them. I'm going to give them the sauce. I'm going to give them the edge. I'm going to give them the right game plan. I'm going to give them that mindset advantage that they're going to need. I'm going to pretty much prep them for what I believe, how the fight is going to go, dissect the opponent and give him the best game plan to neutralize that guy. Deontay Wilder, if you're listening right now, I think uh, you should give the magic man a call. So in the, the first fight Wilder had with Fury, we know it was a draw. Fury moved around a lot. In the second fight, he had a totally different game plan. He bulked up. Fury did. He came in at 273 pounds. He used his power and ended up knocking out Wilder. So I'm sure there's a lot going on in Wilder's head if and when he takes that third fight. If Wilder doesn't make changes in terms of bringing someone new in as a trainer or anything like that, how do you think a third fight would play out between Wilder and Fury? Well, I want to say this. Mark Breland is a very good trainer, very credited trainer. But if he's working with a guy that's, that's being difficult to be coachable, see, in order to make a great trainer, you have to have the right people. You got to have someone that buys into the, to the game plan. Sometimes that's hard to do by just by the circumstances. You know what I mean? Uh, I think everything, basically, you can look at JDs. You can look at Mark Breland. You can look at all those things. But I know that when it comes down to it, that fighter has to be willing to be coachable, be willing to be taught, to be willing to listen, to be willing to take advice, you know, to trust that. And if you don't have that, then there's already, there's already a, a, a there's already a, a, a gap in between where you need this fighter to be. And so I think the biggest thing that needs to happen is for Wilder to recognize all of this, for Wilder to eat a little humble pie, man, and understands that the work is not finished. It's far from finished. The work is not finished. And sometimes we might have to break all that down and start back from the basics. That don't mean throw everything away. That means just start back from the basics. You know what I mean? Perfect those basics so you can build on that foundation because your game plan is only going to be as strong as the foundation is built on. So I think he needs to go back to balance. Footing. His footing. You're never supposed to square up both feet. No. That's, that's a, no, that's, that's something you never do in boxing. You always keep your form. When you lose form, you, you lose everything. So that's what I would work on him with. No matter what happens in the fight, keep your form. And I'm gonna keep the I'm gonna keep the fight in the center of the ring. There's no there's no excuse for a fighter to have his back on the ropes if you're trying to win. Not for long. If your back touched the ropes, it's time to move. Keep the fight in the center of the ring. So you know, there's a lot of things like that that I think game planning wise, strategy wise, 
Wilder can really work on just to better himself. When you, don't put the focus on Fury. Better yourself. Do the things that you need to be doing. Stay consistent with what you need to be doing. Stay behind that reach. Learn distance. Learn timing. Bruh, that's, that's it. As big as he is, as athletic as he is, long as he is, should nobody be able to get through that jab. That's great but advice. And, and we saw him in the second fight with much more on the ropes, like you said, and that's not where you want to be. Uh, we mentioned uh, that they may fight in a third fight, hopefully Wilder and Fury. There's also been talks that Joshua and Fury have uh, maybe a two fight contract coming up. So it'll be interesting to see in terms of those top players at heavyweight, Joshua, Fury and Wilder, who do you think is at the top of the pack at heavyweight right now? And you got to go with Tyson Fury. He, he knocked out. WBC champ Wilder. And then, you know, it looked like he went back to the drawing board. If you take that first fight, for instance, no, only one fighter made any adjustments. Only one fighter felt that, you know, this second fight can be different. And, and Fury went back, his trainer, they made great adjustments. They got to work. And you can see they had a game plan. And they executed their game plan. Wilder didn't have a game plan. Wilder didn't have a game plan to fight Tyson Fury. He thought the same guy was going to show up. He thought they was going to replay the first fight. And that was just, just not being, just being naive about the game, basically. Um, so now Wilder now has to go back to the drawing board and do what he didn't do in the rematch. And that's, Make adjustments from the first fight. The correct adjustments by breaking that fight down, seeing what happened, and then going to that rematch and seeing what happened, and then atone for that. He got to get his legs under him. He needs his legs under him. It didn't look like he put a lot of road in on the road, a lot of work in on the road. He didn't get his cardio up. He didn't get his heart rate up. He didn't, he didn't train as if he was going in there to fight the second best heavyweight in the world. And a lot of times you just get blinded by power. But power is only effective is when it, power is only effective when it lands. If you can't land the punch, it's ineffective. So forget the power. He's big enough already. If he hits you with a punch, you're gonna, he's going to hurt you. So I would work on more rhythm, more rhythm, more timing, you know, more balance. And everything flows off that. Everything flows off that behind that long reach. Simple. It's great advice. So just to close it out, final question. We know about what everyone is going through in the world right now, the global pandemic. And I wanted to ask you, you, you talked about this a little bit earlier when your life was spiraling out of control. You saw Roy Jones uh, get robbed in the Olympics and that motivated you, right? You said you started running and you never looked back. So, and then in terms of everything you've achieved, you know, uh, a champion in boxing, uh, co-starring in Rocky Balboa, all the other great stuff you're doing right now in terms of being an author and uh, movies, training, commentating. So you were in a tough place. You got yourself out of it. Uh, just wanted to, as a, as a final question, what would be your final message to everyone right now going through these tough times? Uh, any words of encouragement to you from you? Yeah, man, I realize you got to have a plan. You got to work your plan. If you ain't, if you don't have dreams, big dreams, then, you know, 
what are we what are we doing? You know, you gotta want to be better than you are today. And that's how I'm able to reach those heights, man. I, I always plan. I always plan. And in my plan, I'm always on top. You know, I, I reach for the stars, bro. I reach for the stars. So I want to be one of the biggest promoters in the game of boxing. I want to be one of the biggest managers. I want to be one of the greatest trainers. Because that's all I know how to do is be great at everything I do. That's it. Golf. That's all I know how to do is be great at it. So if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna put all my I'm gonna put my all into it. And I'm gonna trust that I'm I'm following God's footsteps, that he's leading me in the path that I supposed to be going in, a purpose for living. You know, I always have a purpose for living. Antonio, Magic Man Tarver, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for your analysis, for breaking it down. Really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to all the great things you do, and I hope that we can chat again soon. Great. And I want to also just let your listeners know that I have two hot prospects that signed the uh, Senator Punch Management. Harold Calderon from Miami is 22-0 with 15 knockouts. We're looking to get him uh, a nice little international belt so we can be right knocking at the door of the title. And I got, I believe, the future of the heavyweight division, Cortez Dunstan from Boston, I'm sorry, from Baltimore, Maryland. And he's 6'5", 270 pounds, and I call him Big Cat because he has some of the uh, smoothest movement, footwork, and I can't wait to introduce these two guys to the boxing world, man. So uh, they're going to be great. Follow me at Antonio Tarver on all social media platforms. Antonio Tarver, he's the he's the author, the the actor, the <laughs> boxer, the trainer, the promoter. You can do it all, man. So that's okay. great. No, thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And that was Antonio the Magic Man Tarver breaking it down. Very candid, very honest, giving us his thoughts. And, of course, we talked a lot about the Tyson Jones mega fight, which is now slated for November at the time of the conversation. It was uh, for September. We're going to talk more about that in terms of the fight itself, the financials, the rule set, things like that. And I will be speaking to Manuk Akopian. So here's my conversation with Manuk. I am Karan Bhatia. I am chatting with Manuk Akopian. He is a journalist for the LA Times. You've seen his work on boxing scene. You may have heard him or seen him on Bash Boxing in LA. Manuk, you're everywhere. How are you doing, my man? I'm everywhere and I'm home right now. I'm doing great, Karan. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, really love the work you do and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And every interview I've done recently, I always have to start off with the same way, which is we know what's going on in the world. Are you safe right now? Everything good on your end? Everything is great. I'm actually very happy that the combat sports calendar is picking back up. That's going to keep us busy for the year, uh, for the rest of the year. So uh, kudos to top rank PBC, Matchroom, and the rest of the promoters for picking up the pieces and, uh, you know, putting the calendar back into action. Credit to top rank Brad Jacobs and that whole team for what they were able to do. Matchroom now coming back and looks like they have the procedures in place. And then we've heard, of course, about all the other uh, promotions, PBC, Showtime, Fox, Golden everybody. Boy. Yeah, Golden Boy, forgot to mention Golden Boy, who just had a great show yep. last weekend, too, in California. 
Absolutely. Virgil Ortiz doing his thing. So there's been a lot of good stuff, a lot of uh, fights coming back. The one good thing that it seems to be about boxing is that it seems that that effort of keeping it safe can be sustained because it's not a team sport with a lot of players in a locker room where things are going to spread. It seems like they've been able to make the bubble model work. Um, So let's hope that happens. And I, what I wanted to talk to you about today is something I, you know, probably didn't expect to uh, speak to someone about. And that is of course, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Now, we know how great they were in the late 80s, early 90s, and on and on. And these are legends in the game. Everyone knows these fighters, not just in boxing, but in sports. And not even in sports, in pop culture, right? That's, what, that's what's so great about these fighters. But they have announced that they are fighting each other. Um, Tyson at age 54, Roy Jones at age 51. How did this fight even come together? Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've been following the tea leaves on the good old internet. I mean, Mike Tyson has been posting all this sparring footage uh, throughout the last couple of months. And usually the headlines write themselves anytime Mike Tyson moves a muscle. So uh, as we've gradually seen, I think they did a little bit of a temperature check in the room and they read the room and they noticed that, you know, there's still a lot of intrigue in him and his brand and everything that he does. And um, as we've as we've seen in the last couple of years, Mike Tyson has evolved into a very savvy businessman. Whether it's with his cannabis industry, with his hit podcast, I think he's really hitting home runs with the projects that he's been involved with. And he's like, "Why don't we go back and reflex some old muscles and see whether or not we can actually get back into the ring and actually do this?" So, I mean, I think it's it's awesome that they're doing this. However. Uh, what they, what we need to let the public know is that this is an exhibition fight in every sense of the word, and they should not be misled in, in, into whether or not this is going to be a competitive matchup as if they would be fighting at the turn of the millennium. And, and that's the important thing, and I wanted to get into the details of what exactly this fight is. It is an exhibition match, um, eight three-minute rounds, eight, eight three-minute rounds, 12-ounce boxing gloves, no headgear, but there's also going to be no judges, um, no fans in attendance, obviously. And if there is a cut or anything like that, right, they're going to stop the fight. Is, is that accurate? Is that how it's going to be? Yeah. I mean, I talked to California State Athletic Commissioner, Executive Director Andy Foster last week, and he pretty much laid out the framework as to how this fight was approved. Uh, he's, he's had a meeting directly with Jones and Tyson and the principals involved in the fight. And it's pretty much been outlined that this is an exhibition in every sense of the word. Now, when he said, if there's a cut and this thing is done, I said, what happens if there's a bloody nose? And he kind of laughed it off and he said, you know, he's going to let Ray Corona use his best judgment as to what what the fight is going to be like. However, one poignant quote that Foster told me is that he said, anytime the fight gets heated up, it's going to be Ray Corona's job to pour some ice over it. So you can imagine the competition level and the quality of the the glorified sparring session, uh, I would imagine it would be that this fight is going to get. Unless unless Corona goes AWOL as a referee and lets Tyson and Jones do their thing, uh, this is going to be a very tamed environment. And, you know, it's uh, I think it might be a little bit more uh, pleasing to the eye than let's say previous high profile exhibitions have been, whether it's been a Evander Holyfield and a Mint Romney or anything Julio Cesar Chavez does seemingly once a month. 
So uh, I think it's going to look good on TV, but I just hope the average fan who tunes in or even decides to buy it is not fooled that this is going to be two guys going for each other's head. It's been, it's been stated that it may be a glorified sparring session and scripted entertainment. Um, but at the end of the day, they are fighting. Now, in terms of dollars and cents, uh, the app Triller reportedly has paid $50 million to have this on pay-per-view. It's going to be uh, $49.99 to purchase. And what we're hearing is that uh, both, both fighters will be paid uh, a certain amount. Jones, I think, was to be paid $10 million. Tyson, I'm not sure, but he said he's going to donate his purse to charity. Is that what you've heard in terms of the finances of how it's all going to come together? No, exactly as you laid it out there, Kurt. It's specifically laid out where um, the $50 million is actually reported. It's not something that either camp has come out and said. It was a report that uh, CNN and TMZ have put out there with their sources. So it's going to be interesting to see what this is all about. Uh, Triller is uh, backed by Hollywood executives and um, – uh, a lot of top-tier talent in the music industry like Snoop, The Weeknd, uh, Marshmallow, and the like. So it's something where it's a very celebrity-backed endeavor. Uh, they're supposed to be in competition with TikTok, and I think they want to dive into this celebrity-laden world of Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, specifically Mike Tyson. He's clearly the A-side here and the one bringing in all the viewers. So it's something that they really want to piggyback on boxing. And in a press release uh, and speaking to the publicists of Team Tyson, they want to partner with Tyson moving forward by hosting boxing events on the platform. So as Tyson has come out and said, this legends only league, it's something that is going to be uh, in the horizon moving forward. So we might be seeing more of this if there is an appetite. So just in terms of Triller's business model, the reason they've decided to put up reportedly $50 million, it will create awareness around this app. Um, people are going to buy this pay-per-view and, and they're hopefully going to recoup their money. Um, but even if they don't, that makes people aware of what, what of their platform. We're talking about it right now. And, and I didn't know about this platform. I doubt you did before we had this conversation, even though there are uh, celebrities and musicians attached to it. Um, but that that's the risk they're taking. They're, they're almost using this as a marketing play, right? Absolutely. And it comes at a very peculiar time because, as you know, TikTok is in the headlines daily nowadays with their relations with China and its data sharing. So Triller might be looking to leverage an opportunity here to see TikTok is on the ropes. Let's go ahead and kind of seize an opportunity for a market share. Uh, they reportedly have over... 50 million monthly users and 150 million subscriber base. So they're obviously looking to capitalize on that. And with, with venture capital money, they're, they're, they're taking a risk. And uh, I, I doubt they would be able to recoup that kind of money by paying upfront 50 million, but you know, they might have a different business model on this than any typical boxing promoter or network for, for that matter would. And, and the one thing that they have on their side is, and, and, you know, as you work in boxing, I work in boxing, I'm sure that you've had tons of sports fans and friends reach out to you to ask you about what's going on with this fight. And that's not, you know, if Canelo and Triple G3 is signed uh, or, you know, Fury Joshua is signed, we're going to have people who know and watch boxing and even some sports fans reach out. But 
this is this is more in the mainstream, right? This is on TMZ. Uh, it, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, these type of places are going to be talking about this event. So that's something that they have on their side, the public awareness and the public perception of what this fight is and could be. No, there's definitely a lot of earned media dollars that are coming off of this that is going to help boxing. However, if I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm going to say this is going to hurt the sport more than it's going to help it because a lot of the casuals who come into the fights for the big Mayweather Pacquiao's, the Mayweather McGregor's, they leave disappointment for the most part because they don't get the blood and guts that they signed up for. This is designed to not be blood and guts from the get-go. So anyone who is misinformed by purchasing this, expecting, you know, a 54-year-old and a 51-year-old to go at it, it's not happening. So I hope there's timid expectations at best and something for them to be, if they're willing to separate themselves with $50 to see more than Mike Tyson sparring footage and training footage, by all means. And just in terms of the fight itself, I, I can't believe I'm asking you about this, but I am. Uh, in terms of the stylistic matchup, we've read Mike Tyson says he's going he's gonna to move forward. He only has one speed. We've actually seen him on social media and things like that getting into shape. For a long time, he was a little bit overweight, and now he's actually in fighting shape. On the other side of the coin, I was at Roy Jones's last fight, last professional fight. That was in February of 2018, so he was in fighting shape. Uh, he won that fight in his hometown of Pensacola. So what do you think stylistically we can expect in this fight? I mean, this is a perfect pie in the sky right now because as we speak, Mike Tyson is smoking mounds of marijuana at his home. He probably, uh, he looks to be in great shape, but you know, he, he smokes a lot of uh, cannabis. Roy Jones, obviously, he should, the public and the boxing media has been calling him to stop fighting for quite a long time now. So he's definitely in a different financial situation to be considering this fight. But as far as how this fight plays out, Mike, when Mike Tyson says, I have one speed, that is true. He's the most volatile and unpredictable fighter we've ever covered and seen over the last three decades. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyson goes crazy and then actually treats this like a professional fight. And if he doesn't stick to the script, this fight could be over in one round in itself because Ray Corona's job is to not let that happen. So it'll, I'm curious as to how it plays out. Um, the fact that there is no judges technically means there's not supposed to be a winner. And unless there's a DQ or miraculously or surprisingly, one of these guys gets knocked out because they punch too hard then the fight is going to be over. So um, from that standpoint, if I were to pick a winner, I would say Tyson, just because Roy Jones' job is to stick to the script because Mike Tyson's the one running the show. So um, I'll go ahead and uh, go and say Mike Tyson. Well, there you have it. We have Manuka Okipan's official pick for this fight, Mike Tyson. So let me ask you this. Tyson last fought professionally in 2005. Roy Jones, like we said, in 2018. Is there any chance that Tyson coming back into the ring, um, he's just going to be so amped up that referee Ray Corona is going to be trying to separate them and we see something erratic or crazy from Mike Tyson where that's not his MO. He wants to keep... He wants to keep engaging in this fight because maybe he hasn't felt that feeling of being in a, a professional-like boxing ring in a while. Yeah, and I, 
I interviewed Mike Tyson last year, almost to the day. Uh, it was the one year ago yesterday. I went to Tyson Ranch in El Segundo. I talked to him. And this was before, obviously, all this sparring footage and training footage came out. And I was surprised to have him say that he gets, he told me, and I quote him, he gets hives when he walks into boxing gyms, he told me. So I don't know where this miraculous turnaround came to be from, where he suddenly is reinvigorated in the sport. Uh, from, from what I gathered during my meeting that, that morning was that Tyson was not in love with boxing anymore. So apparently he's done some soul searching and being ringside for many of these heavyweight fights, as has been the case over the last year or so, has brought his interest level back. And he's on the cover of Ring Magazine and proudly holding it now. So it's something where I think, you know, as we evolve as people, so has Mike Tyson. And he hasn't had, he's had more second and third and 50 acts than anyone else <laughs> in modern history. So you know, more power to him if, if that's what he decides to do. But uh, I hope, I just hope it's uh, not a case of let's get ready to mumble at the end. of <laughs> Mike Tyson, of course, with the uh, second or third act, if you want to call it, of kind of in a way going into theater and comedy. He had the one man show. He was featured in The Hangover. That's how a lot of the younger audience, a younger generation actually knows of him uh, in that way. But Everyone remembers Mike Tyson in his prime in terms of the highlight reel knockouts and, and what he was able to achieve uh, in the boxing ring in a, in a short period of time. So Tyson is age 54, Roy Jones age 51. Let me, let me ask you this, just in terms of fighter safety, I, I've talked a lot about fighter safety and things that need to change in the sport of boxing. Um, and when we know that this isn't a regular boxing match, there's protocols in place, we talked about that. But should they be fighting just in terms of fighter safety? I mean, that's something obviously executive director Andy Foster has to answer just because he sanctioned the fight. He approved it. And he approved it without headgear, knowing how unpredictable Mike Tyson might be. But there is some precedence here. Uh, back in 2006, when Mike Tyson was still as, as crazy as ever, he actually engaged in another exhibition fight back when he was in financial dire straits. And he fought heavyweight contender Corey Sanders at the time. Sanders was wearing headgear. Tyson was not. They were fully clothed, even wearing T-shirts. So Tyson knows how, to, how, how this thing goes. He knows the kind of script he has to follow. And surprisingly, Corey Sanders was not even engaging in that fight. I would imagine Roy Jones would have more pride than that and actually fight back. But as far as not having headgear... Uh, that's the most interesting part because you have two of the most recognizable faces in boxing history. And from a marketable standpoint, from a TV viewing standpoint, it's not going to look good when you pay $50 and can't even see their faces. So uh, I think that's going to be a decision Andy Foster is going to have to live with after the fact in case anything happens. Yeah. Andy Foster, uh, from the California State Athletic Commission, he said they're about the same age and they have the right to earn. So it sounds like he's on board in terms of the protocols and the, the way that it's coming together right now. Uh, it's rumored to be on September 12th in Los Angeles. Uh, that's also rumored to be possibly the date for Canelo Alvarez's return. Now, you, it's, if Canelo's on the zone, it won't be a pay-per-view, obviously, but um, it, it still could hurt business, I'm sure. How do you see that playing out? Is there a chance that both of these 
uh, fights and events would be on the same day? Or do you think someone's going to have to move off of that date? Um, all I can say is, I don't know who has that Canelo Alvarez voodoo doll out there, but he's been pretty cursed over the last year by just the, the circumstantial uh, uh, elements of things surrounding his fights. Obviously, he's, he missed the September uh, date last year for Mexican Independence Day weekend. And this year with the pandemic and the whole Billy, so Billy Joe Saunders situation, he hasn't been able to get back into the ring. And now this, where you arguably have someone who's going to overshadow your show, and Canelo Alvarez is, is in a very curious predicament, not only because of that, but with his business relationship with The Zone and Golden Boy. Everyone, it's been reported far and wide that a pay cut is in the picture for Canelo, and I'm pretty sure him being as proud as he is signing boxing's most lucrative contract, it's not going to fly with them to take a pay cut. Imagine Floyd Mayweather being asked to take a pay cut in his heyday. It wasn't even a conversation starter. So uh, I think Canelo is going to have to either forego the date altogether or pretty much go with what the, the framework has been set at this point and Canelo controls his own ship when he makes the decision. We'll find out as much as soon as everyone else does because um, he is ready to get back into the ring. Just the, the, the financial needs to make some financial sense for him too. Yeah, it's been reported that the way that Canelo's deal is structured with Golden Boy is the zone pays Golden Boy uh, $40 million. 35 of that goes to Canelo um, the rest is made up by live gate and other things. Now, if you don't have live gate, you don't have a lot of that, which can be a big problem. Um, in terms of, in terms of big money that we talked about, there was a rumor that this fight between Roy Jones and Mike Tyson was actually supposed to come together in 2003, 17 years ago. And Roy Jones said that there was a rumor that he turned down $40 million. He wants to make it clear that he didn't turn down $40 million and his point of view is that Mike Tyson didn't want to uh, step up to the plate at that point to take the fight. What do you think about the, the matchup back then? Why didn't it happen uh, at an earlier time when these fighters were closer to their prime? You know, uh, one can only, one can only uh, assume at this point because I was not covering their careers at that juncture. However, Mike Tyson's pride and ego was at its lowest at that point following the loss to Lennox Lewis. He had been embarrassed twice against Evander Holyfield at that point. I don't know whether or not he was motivated enough or confident in his abilities to, at that point, go against Roy Jones Jr. At that point, his financial struggles had already uh, started to materialize. He surely could have made an even bigger payday fighting Roy Jones. So I don't know why he wouldn't take that fight. However, considering the timeline of Mike Tyson's life, it doesn't surprise me that he was not interested in that fight just because of all of the out of ring distractions he was dealing with. But, you know, Roy Jones would have probably been the favorite going into that fight, considering how his career had been progressing at that point. Absolutely. At that point, of course, it was the upward trajectory, winning the heavyweight title. Um, and we know, of course, what happened. Uh, after that, but Roy has had the longevity. Like we said, he, he just retired in 2018, and that was that was with a win. Um, the other component about this is you mentioned Mike Tyson and, and his career. Uh, 
there's been so many people through the years that have had their names attached to a potential Mike Tyson fight. Um, and, and a lot of those don't end up materializing, but it's, it's interesting for us as people who cover this sport to hear his name and just think about what could happen. I think even recently, John Jones from UFC was, was mentioned in that. So uh, Evander Holyfield was another one. And I know that you wrote about this on boxing scene and elsewhere. So what was the Evander Holyfield component in terms of uh, having another, another fight exhibition match with, with Mike Tyson? Yeah, the conversations were there. Uh, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, as much as arch rivals they were in the 90s, they have repaired their relationship. They are friends. They've, they make public appearances together. Uh, they are honored together at events all the time. And the conversation was that uh, Evander would be fighting Mike Tyson. However, for whatever reasons, and Mike Tyson has said this himself too, he said the conversation started from Bob Sapp and they evolved from this person to that person to that person. And Evander Holyfield somehow got lost in the shuffle in between. So it, it goes to show that, you know, no matter how how much we write about things or how the headlines develop at the end of the day, if it doesn't make business sense and financial sense for everyone, it won't happen. And in this case, for a glorified exhibition, Evander Holyfield was very much interested. Um, as soon as Mike Tyson released that first video that blew social media away, Holyfield, Holyfield released his own training video a few days later. And, you know, that, that was a coincidental timing. That was deliberate, I, I would bet. So the conversation started immediately afterwards. However, it never happened. And Holyfield told me, which is a very valid point, he's like, if Tyson wants to do this again, perhaps with me, everyone is going to judge it by this encounter with Roy Jones. And if they stink up the place, no one is going to take a second look at it. So it's going to be something where we might have a repeat of history where the first exhibition match Tyson had with Sanders in 2006 didn't move the needle from an appetite standpoint. And they canceled that Mike Tyson world tour altogether. And here we might have a similar situation where it was fun while it lasted, but we really don't need to be seeing this kind of competition, especially for a specific price. And, and that is the question. What will the event be like? And then what will happen after you mentioned that, uh, Triller, the app, is interested in working with Mike Tyson in the future. Um, I believe he's launched a Legends-only league. And so there is discussions to continue this. It depends on what happens, I think, in this matchup to see, like you said, if it moves the needle. If it does move the needle, um, who do you think Mike Tyson could match up with against in, in future matchups after this fight? Well... A lot of the a lot of the old timers are always throwing their name in the hat. You know, James Tony has said he would like to fight. Uh, Lennox Lewis is out there, but I don't see him raising his hand saying I would like to get into the ring. Uh, Riddick Bowe uh, should not be anywhere near a boxing ring because uh, his physical situation uh, has not been good for the last fifteen years. So he shouldn't be taking any more damage to his head. He I mean, he, he kind of walks with a limp nowadays too uh, when, when you see him uh, at, at boxing shows. So the, the, the crop there for Tyson is not a lot. And I think this is going to be uh, at best a two and done, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one and done. Holyfield is, I think, the only other opposition that makes sense at this point. And I'm, I'm actually surprised how it wasn't Holyfield because if it was – if it was supposed to be scripted, 
Tyson could have exacted his revenge. Holyfield could have bit him back in the ear. It would have been a it would have been a fun fight to see, and everyone would have went home happy. Bottom line, it's people and athletes who, like we said, transcend boxing. They, they've made their way into pop culture. Uh, we're always hearing about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. And so people will be inherently just interested in this. So just to close it out, to put a bow on it, what is your prediction overall about how this event will go? Um, do you think it will strike a chord in, in terms of the public conversation? Will people be interested in this? And, and what's, what's kind of your final thoughts about this matchup? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of interest, a lot of mainstream interest. And as, as the fight inches closer to the actual date, I think people will re- understand, hopefully, what this is from a competition standpoint. As far as it being a commercial success, I'm highly skeptical of that, just because I, I don't see it being that way. Will it get a lot of great social media impressions? Absolutely. Will it get a lot of great retweets? and have people talking about it and have all the influencers back it. No doubt about it. As far as it being a commercial success, I highly doubt it. <laughs> Thanks so much uh, for, for breaking it down, for talking about all the different aspects of this fight. Uh, I've had so many people ask me about this and the fact that we can have all the information in one conversation here. I think it's, it's great for people who are curious about this, who maybe don't tune into our sport. Um, and this is something that kind of piques their interest. Um, so, and I think there are a lot of different moving parts and different aspects to it. So we'll see what comes together. There's still time between now and, uh, September 12th. So we'll see how it all plays out, uh, in terms of an event. Manuk Akopian, thank you so much for uh, your reporting on this event. Thank you so much for the time and thanks for breaking it down. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And hopefully we get to see them in the ring September 12th. A lot of things can happen in between in the pandemic, as we all know. So hopefully all the cards turn out right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And to close it out here, one more thing. I'm going to answer a fan question. This is from Bernard A. You know him as Bernard516 on Twitter. And he asked, he said, what do you see as the biggest issues that prevent boxing from becoming a popular sport that it once was from the glory days of the 1950s, when it was just as popular as baseball and horse racing? Since then, various named boxers have carried the sport with worldwide appeal from Ali to Pacquiao and several in between like Duran and Tyson. The average person wouldn't even know who the heavyweight champion is. So thank you so much for the question, Bernard. uh, Definitely appreciate you reaching out with that. Here is my take on what's going on. So I do think boxing actually is a popular sport, but it is a niche sport as we know. But at the same time, the largest events, the biggest pay-per-views, they do make national headlines. If you look at uh, the Forbes list of highest paid athletes, oftentimes, uh, you know, especially in the last decade, Mayweather, Pacquiao were on that list, Canelo Alvarez, people like that. Um, so a lot of times, uh, top boxers are well paid. There's a lot of eyeballs on the biggest events. The biggest issue with boxing and in terms of public perception of knowing who the the biggest stars are and things like that and getting the public interested you know sports fans getting them interested is fragmentation 
The sport is way too fragmented. There's too many leagues, too many different promoters and networks. And the issue is that they do not work together enough. Now, they're definitely starting to. And I, and, uh, I want to give credit to a lot of the promoters who are being more innovative, trying new things. But you don't want to have separate leagues. You don't want to have like a PBC type league where they're only fighting PBC fighters or a top rank league where they're only fighting top rank fighters and on and on. We want to see the best fight the best you want almost if you look at the ufc model now there's other mma promotions so you don't want to say that ufc necessarily has it figured out because you could say oh the best fighters in another promotion but it does seem like a lot of fighters are under that ufc model in terms of top fighters and there's one champion per weight class that is another huge thing in boxing we have four plus not even just four titles anymore there's more even within those sanctioning bodies sometimes they have a super champion and a regular champion and an interim champion and if you know you're a sports fan who wants to get into boxing and you see four or five different champions and that's that's not even counting the other organizations who are uh, less well known and that's obviously because everyone wants to be a champion you can hype up a fight more when it's for a title but I, I do think that that unfortunately does not benefit the sport in any way you need to have one belt one champion and you need to get the best fighters to fight each other now in a way boxing is trying to find its way to make that happen we're hoping for unification fights we saw the wilder fury uh rematch and hopefully trilogy that was two different promoters two different networks fox and pbc plus espn and top rank coming together and they were able to do that brilliantly the fights were great they were exciting um, and so they get a lot of credit for that obviously we know pacquiao and mayweather came together from different sides of the street made that fight but that fight was obviously a few years past uh, its marination date when it should have been on, um, and so that wasn't that wasn't ideal. So hopefully we can continue to have promoters work together. Uh, there's been talks about Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fighting. That would be a great event because if we can get all the champions in a division to have a unification bout. So in this case, Joshua and Fury, uh, you know, the lineal champion plus the WBC champion, and then Joshua with the other set of belts. If we can get them to face off, then you have one champion who has all four belts and a lineal championship. But that's the hard way to get there, right? We want to get the easier way. The easier way is less belts, one champion. And the easier way is networks and promoters working together. Um, everyone benefiting from these mega fights, not just one side of the street um, having their own stable, right? We want to see the best fight the best. So... Let's hope that, that that happens. I think that'll definitely help boxing get back into the mainstream in terms of sports fans tuning in. Um, I also think, you know, and this is a whole nother part of it is we need to share the journeys of these fighters through storytelling, through creative storytelling. I worked at HBO for a long time and we used to do the 24-7 documentary series. It's a way to see who these fighters are, to uh, lean into their stories and their journeys. Uh, and so that's that's another huge part of it. We need to find out who they are. Um, they're not just people who just get in the ring and fight. They're fighting for something, their country, their family, whatever it may be, um, and for their legacy. And so we need to find uh, find out these people, who these people are, and share their their stories and their their journeys with everyone. And I think just inherently, when you know what someone is fighting for, what's important to them, you want to see them compete at the highest level. So let's hope that happens. Uh, and thank you again, Bernard, for that question. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram. 
and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.